This is The Analysis, a weekly examination of the culture in light of truth. I'm Deanna Huff. And I'm Mark DeMoss. Join us as we investigate and analyze the environment of the world where we live. We will be shedding the light of God's Word on the issues. And responding as Christians to influence followers of Jesus Christ to share the gospel with those around them. Deanna, recently you shared an article uh, with me that you had read um, early part of this month, so this is very recent, about a Kansas uh, school teacher had been in a lawsuit um, at, that she had won, had favorable response in the lawsuit. To her and her attorneys, I think it's Alliance Defending Freedom, was one of the people representing her. But in her particular school, she had been asked uh, by a student to use uh, preferred pronouns in um, because of her religious beliefs, her conviction, her belief in God. She said, I can call you by your legal name, uh, but because of my faith and my religion, that's as far as I can really go with that. And it ended up in a lawsuit, uh, but they found in her favor that she was in the right. She she had the right as a teacher to still hold to her religious beliefs and use name and language that corresponded to the legal name of this student, uh, as opposed to being forced to use these uh, transgender uh, or gender neutral style pronouns. Uh, And we know this is an issue in our culture. Uh, This news article highlights another one of those circumstances. uh, And it's a touchy subject and issue of how to handle it, how to converse about it, uh, how to interact. There is room within the church to uh, have a different approach uh, in in how we handle talking with people uh, about their pronouns that they may be asking us to use. Uh, I know that, um, you know, for myself, I, I probably land more on the side of, of saying something like we've heard multiple people say. Greg Kokel has a statement similar to this. I've read articles on Gospel Coalition and other places that say, you know, I think it's okay for Christians to say, I, I, I appreciate uh, your view and and the way that you are asking me to communicate with you, uh, but I'm asking you to respect my view of of God and His Word and and the making of male and female, and so I appreciate you respecting my view while I attempt to respect your view. I think there's room to say that I'm probably more there. Um, I I know also within within Orthodox Christians circles. There's Christians that say, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable in building that relationship to use their preferred pronoun. I'm going to say, listen, I think God made you male or female, whichever their biology is. Um, but that's a preference you have. And so if you, if you preferred me, uh, to, to call you Johnny, instead of Larry or whatever, I would do that. So I'm okay if you want me to use that. Just know this is where I am about the way I view you, but I'll use whatever. I I think there's room for Christians to have that attitude and approach in conversing with people who have, you know, a transgender lifestyle or a a preferred pronoun choice that doesn't match biology. 
And so I think in the church, we need to be loving to one another to go, we might land a little bit differently here as long as we're still seeing God's word the same. Uh, and it's it's going to be something that doesn't go away. This isn't a temporary fad that our society's facing. I think this is being grabbed by our society in such a way in in school systems, business world, etc., that it's going to be a normative thing that we face ongoing. And especially for parents today that have children that will grow up and go into the workforce yeah. uh, or get into colleges and universities where it seems to be more prominent uh, than at the she was a local school public teacher. It's happening there, but it seems more prominent at the university level. It's not going away. Um, and so thinking about how to talk about it, how to handle how to train our children for this, I think is crucial. One of the first places that I recall seeing the idea of people placing their pronouns before them, before their name would be through social media. Mm-hmm. And at the time, a few years back, I didn't really even know that it was a conversation that people were having. And then you start seeing these news pieces come out over professors and teachers who are asked to call students by whatever pronoun they prefer. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's important to discuss, like you were saying, because this really does collide with worldviews and there's one worldview that says you know you can be malleable as a person and you can transition from what your biological sex is Mm -hmm. to whatever you think in your mind is so you can transition that and have people call you by something that is different than what you were biologically born to. And we're seeing that more and more. And science still does advocate that at birth, there are two different sexes, male and female. But there are people in society who are struggling in their mind, which is called their gender identity, Mm -hmm. right? Right. And so this gender identity is colliding with this biological sex that they were born into. Their worldview is is stating that. Mm -hmm. In a Christian worldview, we have two sexes, male and female. And so you really do have these two worldviews colliding with each other. And I think in the church, one of the challenges is that we want to value and love people. Right. Right. Um, But we're also being called to respond with what our pronouns are and how we relate with the world in those discussions, I think, is significant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The God of personal autonomy seems to be supreme. Right. Um, That. Uh, I, I get to set my standard for my life and my living, and that can't be trumped by anything. Even, you're pointing out, even biology or science cannot trump my autonomy, that I, I can disagree with my assigned gender at birth uh, and should have a right to, uh, should be expected to. Uh, 
uh, I, I, we've both, I know, had conversations with people and read plenty uh, of literature that uh, of the idea of um, don't don't even begin calling children at a young age. He or she give them time to figure that out. You know, let let them get to an age where they can make a decision for themselves whether they're going to be he or she. Or one of the new pronouns that's being used, Z and Zer, or they and them, I think is, is another way that it's being encouraged to use and then it's more inclusive. And so this whole concept of, of your of your own autonomy and you getting to decide over and against what biology says, over and against where uh, our identity would normally grow out of that birth assignment. <laughs> this child was born and this is a boy. And so he will have this name and this is a girl and she will have this name. Um, I, that That is um, being pressed as not not only uh, scientific, right? I mean, we would call that science, but that's being pressed as oppressive behavior of uh, intolerant conversation and talk. And, uh, and then if you give it religious context, because not everybody that would have this conversation would even come from a religious viewpoint. I mean, you can start this specifically as science. But we have to talk theology. Yeah. <laughs> We're theological beings. There's theology behind this. And as Christians, we know theologically that God intends to help us understand our identity mm-hmm. with that biology because we're whole beings created by God that includes not only uh, soul and spirit, but body, right? We're given a physical body as well as our soul and spirit. And that's meant to be an include, that's an inclusive human being. And our identity of who we are as a person and who we should be in God's kingdom mm-hmm. flows out of all of that input, including the body. Yes. And we dismiss the value that God has put on male and female. I think it's a great quote that Nancy Piercy says when she wrote in Love Thy Body. She says, why won't we encourage people to love the body they're in? We tell women to love their curves and love their age and love their skin they're in, but we won't tell them or men to love the sex of their body. And I think that that's a really profound statement. We're teaching people to hate their bodies. And she makes a really good point when we are saying that the body that we're in, we can just dismiss as if it has no value in what God created the person to be, then we are doing a disservice, I think, to our to our young kids. Mm-hmm. And, and we're this, these are competing worldviews to say, uh, we don't know what you are. You figure it out on your own. Mm-hmm. You know, this is very different from teach and train your kids, instruct them in the way they should go. Yeah. You know, all, all of these sorts of things. And, and when we're talking about pronouns, 
then we have to get to a place where we can not only have a biblical worldview to who we are and what we are, but to have a response to the community around us. I don't want to slide by that resource you mentioned, uh, because I think it'd be a helpful book for people to pick up that maybe are having conversations about these kinds of issues Mm -hmm. uh, and and in a broader context of things she's writing about. But I think it speaks to this, Love Thy Body by Nancy Piercy. Uh, and so if somebody wants to dig in a little deeper and what a, it, it's a great resource uh, so we, we'll, we'll encourage that so thank you for mentioning that you're talking about God's intent and God's design and our need to embrace who we are and how we are to live based on that and we have objective truth to have conversations with people, even though they may not also be a believer. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we, under, we understand that. Um, it can be tempting to say, well, this person that I'm talking with or conversing with, or this person that uh, has, uh, has been talking with my child or my child's friend that's struggling with these issues, they're not a Christian. So we can't expect them to think we the way we do. We can't expect them to, to process this way. And so to love them and to show them Christ, we need to just we need to just give in to their preferred name, their preferred pronoun, or their way of thinking and not cause waves and not cause friction, or we'll lose all of our opportunities. Uh, to share Christ, and I think there is a caution there that we want, we we want to bridge, build bridges. We don't want to we don't want to cut people off, but at some point we also have to speak truth, mm-hmm. and and hold to again. It's not just a biblical worldview, but science and biology tells us some things, and that is that is a truth also that they need to be confronted with. Uh, and so learning to have our own conversations and guide our children into those conversations is tricky and sensitive, but we have to do it. And one of the things that we can remind our kids about or people in the church or maybe someone who's dealing within their business trying to figure out what they're going to do because maybe they're in human resources and they have to deal with mm-hmm. those types of issues. But at the in the scriptures, when we look at Jesus, one of the things that he says in front of Pilate that we have spoken on here before is that he came to testify to the truth. Mm-hmm. And I always think about that when people are are saying, well, it's really hard to be able to speak truthfully because I might lose my job or I might lose my position that I'm trying to serve in and then I'm not going to have any influence. Mm -hmm. And so I do think that you have to be, you know, innocent as doves and wise as serpents, right? right? But you're testifying to the truth in such a way that you want to influence the community for the good. If you are speaking graciously to someone and not moving the boundary of truth, they're going to have more respect for you. Right than if you are tossed by the wind. And so it's it's good for us to speak truthfully with people. Yeah. Yeah. I 
I, I love the illustration you're giving us with, with Jesus about truth. I, I, th- I think the, the culture wants to paint the contrast as um, if, you, if you're espousing a biblical truth, you're choosing to be unkind. And, and people kind of get that in their minds, mm-hmm. that if I'm going to be truthful, then I'm being unkind. So I have to be kind or I have to speak truth. And they create this false dichotomy, right? Yeah. And, 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 and I think what I want to help our children, <laughs> speaking really personally, because we both, we both have children, but personally also within the church context that we have, our, what I want to help our children and our people think about is don't let that false dichotomy exist. You can be truthful and you can be kind. You, you, can, you can show graciousness to somebody and you can speak truth. Jesus was full of grace and truth. And I know we've said that before many mm-hmm. times, but if we run after Jesus, we'll grow in both of those areas, grow in grace and grow in truth. Uh, so I want to have a good understanding of truth and I want to learn how to apply that truth in good and kind and gracious ways. But I can't, I can't let the boundary get moved. And I can't be hateful and demeaning of human beings. So if I can't do either one of those things, then I'm able to do both truth and kindness. And people are going to be coming from different places, right? And they've grown up differently. And so when we're having the conversation, we can kind of keep those things in mind as well. And as we engage in these conversations, or maybe even somebody has said in particular to to you, I want you to affirm these pronouns for me. Be thinking about that and how you might respond to that. And we can uphold a, a biblical worldview and that is what God wants us to do. Mm-hmm. He, he desires for us to be able to encourage truth. Yeah. You were, you were pointing out earlier about um, it within the workplace, and many people that are listening um, probably have some kind of statement within their human resources field that deals with this issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may not know it exists, uh, but it's probably in existence and being worked on. Oftentimes they know because it gets put out as a statement right, to the employees. We know uh, dealing with university students ourselves that uh, many universities utilize this actively as you're being recruited, as you are filling out documents to just get more information uh, with on their websites of the people that are sending you information. It'll show their preferred pronouns. They'll usually have a diversity officer or vice president that um, uh, unfortunately diversity is a good thing, but it's used by our culture to, to usually be the place that these kinds of things are forwarded mm-hmm. uh, on, on work or college campuses. And so people are running into this uh, in in their work environment. That's one place you run into. You said, think about where you run into it. That's one place they're going to run into it. We talked about the school teacher at the beginning. Their children are going to run into it uh, at school. They're going to maybe at some point have a teacher 
that says, hey, this is my preferred pronoun. I want you to use it this way. Mm-hmm. Even if it's rightly assigned, <laughs> right? Uh, they're using it because they're 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 either guarding or wanting to perpetuate an idea, right? Um, or you're going to deal with it in your family. Right? These are the areas that I, I think where where am I going to run into this? In uh, in somewhere within most people's family, there's someone who is struggling with gender identity issues. You talked about at the beginning, uh, or has adopted a. Uh, transgender lifestyle or is going through a transgender process and so they're talking and wanting and putting out on their public social media pages and stuff information that's saying I want you to treat me this way I want you to think about me this way and you're trying to figure out okay when I interact with this person how do I do that how do I stand for truth and be kind Mm -hmm. that's where you're figuring out to me this is such a ideological issue that is is difficult to talk about, but it's such a personal issue that makes it difficult to talk about. One, their entire environment has embraced it, mm-hmm. right? Their entire social culture ha- has embraced it. And they don't have a sense of right or wrongness in using these because mm-hmm. these are our friends of theirs and things like that. But what are we saying by using them? And I think that's the question that has to be asked. Mm-hmm. What are we saying when we endorse pronouns that are opposite of what someone has been biologically born to? And is there a way that we can still respect the person and and be able to reject pronouns that are not aligning with the biological sex? And there is we can call people by their name if somebody says to me my preferred pronoun is they them then i can allow that statement to just stay there and say what is your name Mm -hmm. and 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 call them by their name depending on what kind of relationship i have with them if i have a closer relationship with them i might respond by saying something like i understand that you're using those pronouns because our culture has has been using those but can i ask you why you might be using them in particularly mm-hmm. or or i might say something like i use male and female because of my faith and i appreciate the fact that you have your view and you allow me to carry out my view thank you for the respect in that so there's different ways you can kind of handle those situations but we we do have to talk about those situations and and how we might respond yeah i think it's helpful to just have those conversations right we talk a lot about dinner table talk and what a great place with your your children uh inappropriate ages and stages obviously uh, but what a great place to have those conversations. Ask the question, is there anybody in your school that uh, is going by a pronoun that doesn't match up with the fact that they're a boy or a girl? That's a great and, idea. Uh, you can ask that question. You can ask if there's been any talk about it from teachers or whatever, but you've got to have the conversation. It's interesting to me that our enemy is so smart that at the same time there is this uh, there's this push 
uh, of um, in, in the culture uh, to you know be confused over gender and you get to set your own way and right there's this uh, almost complete uh, abolishment of any biblical norm in the culture on the same time the enemy it, it seems to be fueling that within the church context the fuel he's pouring into that is listen if you're not res- a respecter of people you're not like Jesus <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean and so it's almost like okay I want to be a Christian and I want to follow Jesus well and I want to believe the truth and I want to believe the Bible but I just have to accept these pronouns and I have to respect these identities or I'm not like Jesus. And I, I don't, I, I think Jesus loved people, but didn't bend on truth, right? I mean, how many times did he say, go and sin no more? Yeah. Uh, so mm, it, it just, he's pouring fuel on both of those at the same time. Well, and I know we're getting near the end of our podcast, but I'm just going to put this in there as well. And that is, you know, as I was reading Amos just recently, and yeah, I'm, I'm mm. Amos chapter five, and and I'm reading about the fact that Yahweh is disciplining His people, and He He's saying to them, "Listen, I gave you statutes, and I gave you things to live by." And they were good for you, but you've rejected them and you've rejected me. But what stuck out to me was the fact that he's telling them, you have all these idols in the land. And as I was thinking about it, I thought, you know what, this this isn't old. Because not only uh, are, are they dealing with trying to put off the culture, but Joshua before they went into the promised land, Mm -hmm. is saying to them, choose this day who you're going to serve. Put away your idols. And I was thinking to myself, but wait, they've been, you know, becoming a people of God. What what are they doing with idols now? Mm -hmm. Because they should have given them up when they made the golden calf. Didn't they know (laughs) after Moses told them to give it up? And it just resonated with me that we have a struggle regularly with wanting to give in to what the world is saying. And God desires for us to resist that, right? Right. We continue to say to kids, eat your green beans Mm -hmm. because they're good for you, or eat vegetables or eat fruits or drink water. But we will not say you are a male or you are a female because we think that's going to hurt them. And so we... Those are colliding worldviews, and we just have to be sensitive to be able to say what is true and then perpetuate that truth forward. Yeah, yeah. Well, Deanna, that's a great way to to close this out. Thanks for listening today to the analysis. As always, if you have greater questions, uh, you want to know more about any of our subjects, feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to guide you to uh, places you can learn and study more. Thanks for listening.